0: I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming, especially if you're visiting with us or you're listening online. Thanks for taking a moment out of your life and your, your day um, to get a word from God. And I don't take that lightly. We don't take that lightly around here at New Life. If you're visiting with us, um, you need to know you have landed smack dab in the middle of a group of people who are messed up um, but are better than we used to be and are just trying to do life um, together and, and uh, do life the way God intended for us to do it. And we are in the middle of a series, um, actually we're at the end of a series, this is my last week in this series, you can listen online to the, the, la- the, the previous three ser- uh, sermons in this series, but this is my last sermon in a series called Love Handles, um, and it's not about losing weight, I promise, um, this is about getting a handle on the way we, we do our relationships and our lives, and um, I'm going to introduce that in a second. But what I'd like to do today is what we do every week, in fact if you're visiting with us today, um, or you're listening online, if you're listening online we have about 8 to 900 people a week on average listening online right now and if you are listening online and you can hear me right now and you have never darkened the door of this church I don't blame you. Churches are scary especially if you've never been into one. Your next step if you're listening to this online may be to join us. Um, Easter's a good opportunity for that um, to, to kind of get the guts to show up on site. I promise you won't be you'll be surprised um, about what you see here but um, if you're visiting with us today, thanks for being here. Um, and I just want to let you know a little bit about what we do. This we do this every week. I've been preaching here for a little over nine years, um, and we have there have been very few weeks where we have not done this before we start our sermon. And that is just this time we call a deep breath, and it's an opportunity for you to like if you had a remote control for your life to like hit the pause button. <laughs> because here's what happens to us in our life, and, and this is not my idea. This is this is God's idea from a long time ago. That what happens to your life is that you get so busy. Even if you're retired, even if what you're busy with is stuff around the house, you get so busy with work, with bills, with friends, with people, with relationships, that you miss God. You do. And so you begin to doubt, you begin to, to do life without Him, um, which is not the way he intends for you to do life, and it's not the way to get to peace and hope and joy and the things that you really want at the heart of who you are. You will miss out on that opportunity if you live such a loud noise, a, a life that you miss God's voice. And the thing is, God could speak loudly, he has throughout history. I've never heard him speak um, audibly. I'm afraid I'd wet my pants if I heard him speak. And he probably knows that that wouldn't be a good thing for my life. Um, I've never heard him speak audibly, but I've moved by him. And I'll tell you, when my life is loud, when things are crazy in my life, I can't hear. So he chooses to speak in a still, small voice. And your job, starting right now, your job is to turn down the volume of your life. Some people, that means just put it on pause and give him this next moment in your life to speak into your heart and into your life. So that's what we do, and the way we do that is just literally take a moment, 30 seconds or so, and give quiet to this space. It usually is not real quiet because we've got kids and all kinds of noise, but the idea is that you get an opportunity to say to God, all right what would you say to me God what what would I say even if you're not sure you believe in God if you're kicking the tires on it you you are welcome in this place in fact we believe this is the place you ought to be if you're kicking the tires on trying to find out what God is and what Jesus is you're in the right place even if you're in that place right now take this moment to say hey I am going to have an open mind and an open heart to what God's going to say this morning so let's take a quick moment and then we'll jump right in this morning God, thanks for the way you love us. Thanks for that patience, like a, like a farmer who plants seeds and then waits. God, thanks for that patience you have with the messes we've made in our lives. Thanks for that patience you have for the times where we have not chosen you and we have chosen us instead, and yet we can still come back, and you're still there, you're still waiting, you're still wanting, and you still want to lead us to a deeper relationship with you. Would you, in this moment right now, would you lead us to truth? Not lead us to a cold chill, or a good idea, or even a profound thought, but something that actually impacts our lives. Otherwise, we're wasting our time, and we're wasting your time. So would you do something in us today that doesn't just make us feel different, but that makes us live different? So that we can stagger away from your presence the way you intend, with more peace, with more hope, with more joy, and with more intent in our life those who feel broken today those who feel far from you God would you reassure them that you're on their side God those who feel marginalized cast aside would you give them hope and peace right now for those who feel broken physically emotionally would you give them a deep breath of healing even just for this moment, so that they can hear clearly and live profoundly in your son's name. Amen. Well, we're in this series, and we're ending this series. Every time we get through a series like this, um, I feel like this is kind of my last sermon, is my last chance to say all the things I want to say about this. Um, and so uh, I've kind of packed it full of some nuggets this week, Um, and then we do jump into Easter next week. If you've got friends who you've just been like, you know what, I want to invite them, but I don't know when, I don't know what. The best thing about Easter when it comes to inviting people is just it's a milestone. It's just something you can say, hey, there's this thing we're doing. We're going to show some video next week. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to tell more jokes than I normally tell, but I'm also going to talk a lot about life. What I want to talk about next week with life is having a full life. And what it means, I want to talk about what Easter means, and beyond the Easter bunnies and the Cadbury eggs. Oh, Cadbury eggs. <laughs> I love Cadbury eggs. But I want to talk about what it means to us in the way we live our lives. So if you've got friends that you've been trying, and you know they just need God in their lives, next week is the time um, to invite them. I'm excited about that. As we, div- as we finish up this series on love handles, um, I want to remind you of a couple things we've said. One of the things is this, that it has never been easier in life, to to fall in love with somebody or to love somebody at the beginning. When when a baby's born, I'll never forget when London was born. Um, I I wanted to say she was little, but she was like nine-something when she was born, so she was never really little. Um, But to me, she was little, and I gave her her first bath. And I remember thinking, I cannot imagine ever loving anything in the way that I love this thing this little thing and they kept they kept her in the hospital and all this and I thought man I'm so glad I got all these doctors around and then all of a sudden they said hey you guys are going home and I wanted to say no I'm not I'm living here (laughs) where there are nurses and people and because this is too precious for me to take home and I remember that feeling of this is going to be so easy loving this thing I remember that feeling if you if you remember back when you had if those of you have kids you have your first child and you go man why do people have such a hard time with their kids Because I love this thing more than anything that has ever been put in my lap except for my wife. And I can't imagine. And then, it didn't take long. (laughs) Where the challenges arise, and I've got the best little girl that God could ever put in my lap, I can tell you that. But it has not been as easy as I expected it to be at that moment. And I think part of the problem is, in our society, we put all the emphasis in relationships at the very beginning. If you go see a chick flick this week with your wife, if you go, good man, by the way, or, or if you just go see a, a, a television show that's based on romance, it's all about the beginning. <laughs> it, you never see the problems. You never really get into that. We don't do that in society. And the truth is, your relationships, the happiness in your life, the joy that you have in your life, can only be, you can only be as happy as your deepest relationship is healthy. And it's just true. And so, after nine years of living in, in this area and a preaching in Paragon and in this area I've just seen a lot of desperate people a lot of hurting people and a lot of broken relationships and truthfully if you're visiting with us or you're listening online today and and you think hey this is the place I'm going to go because I need to get my life together and those people have their lives together I'm just going to warn you right now this is the place you should be but we don't have our lives together we're broken in this place we have these glimpses where we realize oh It's like these epiphanies. Oh, that's how God wants us to live. And when we choose to live that way, it's not like we're just being obedient. It's that we're following the way he intended for us to live so that our lives end up in these peaceful, hopeful, joyful moments. Saturdays in my house, we call Dadder Day. Uh, My kids started calling it Dadder Day because I work really hard during the week. And I, I work really, really hard to stay home as much as I can. But Saturdays, I have given to my families, and there are very few that I miss, datter day. And we wake up in the morning, and we lay in bed, and there is this moment where the dog, as much as I don't like the dog, he is part of the gift that God has given me and the challenge that God has given me in my house. And we, get, we lay on a Saturday morning, this Datterday morning for us, and there is peace, and there is hope. And the relationships that we're working on pay off in those moments of peace. Society puts all the emphasis on the beginning of relationships, but it's the middle of the relationship that makes it healthy. Some of you came in today with brokenness in your relationships. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a husband or wife. Maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a best friend that you left a long time ago because of something stupid. Now, here's something you ought to know. If you're a Christian, this should be the way you live your life. If you're not a Christian and you're kicking the tires on it, this is what Christians are supposed to be. So no matter whatever you've seen on Facebook, whatever bumper stickers you've seen, whatever you've seen Christians live, this is the way Jesus intended for us to live. Look at this. The measure of your relationship with God, the measure of your relationship with God is not how many times you've read the Bible. Did you know that? The measure of your relationship with God is not how much scripture that you can quote. The measure of your relationship with God is not how many Sundays you've made it to church or how many times that you have served in the children's ministry this month. It's not a measure of your relationship with God. It's a good indicator that that you've got a healthy relationship, but it's not a measure. God says this is the way he measures your relationship with him. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus says. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is the measure of your relationship with God. How you treat the people in your life, especially the ones you disagree with, are an indicator of how healthy your relationship is with God. Now, all of you just did this. I did this too. Somebody came to your head. Somebody came to your mind when I said that, and you started a conversation in your mind with me. Yeah, but John, you don't know. John, you don't know how bad that person is. You don't know how bad they've messed me over. You don't understand how awful this thing is, but you won't believe what he did. You don't understand how she did. You know what Jesus said? He said, you know what, when I tell you, he says here, I've given you a new commandment to love each other. Well, that's not new, right? It's not new to love each other. We've been talking about that since the beginning of time. Jesus says what is new is that it's very easy to love the people in your life, or easy to love. He says the new command is to love people the way I've loved you. That is the deepest Furthest hurting people, the people that have hurt you the most, the relationships that are the most broken, you're the one that goes first. Yeah, but John, I you won't believe what they did. I know. But you won't believe what it'll do to your life. And the way your relationships work. If you can especially love the ones who are far from you. Getting a handle on loving like this is it's is, is kind of like getting a handle on your diet. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Um, I would say, if I had a show of hands right now, 50 to 75% of you would be on a diet. Another 50, the rest of us have been on a diet recently, and some of us, our wives want us to go on a diet, but we're fighting it. You know what a diet is. It's that moment in time where you make a choice to give up all the things you want to (laughs) get so that you can lose a little bit of weight or feel a little bit better, but the truth about a diet is, you know in the heart of who you are that you're going to go right back to the same things you were doing before. And what you really need we all know this, is a lifestyle change. And the truth is, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to loving the people around us, what we often do is go on a diet with the way we treat people. We go, you know what, I'm not going to treat my wife like that anymore. I'm going to start doing the dishes. I'm not going to treat my son like that anymore. I'm going to speak nicer to him. And we go on this diet, and just like with food, we might do well for a while, but then eventually we start to fade, and we go right back to our habits. So, what I'd like for us to do, and I'd, I'd love to see this happen in this church, because we talk about all the time, God's put us in Paragon for a reason. There's a lot of hunger here, there's a lot of drugs here, there's a lot of brokenness here, and that's why we're here. And I believe that what God wants us to do is to love first, always. And so, the way we live our lives is, is an indicator of how close we are to God. And as we get a handle on our habits when it comes to relationships, We need to change the way we act. And I'm going to say something that I've never done. If you're visiting today, you're going to think I'm this kind of preacher, and I'm not. And I prayed about this all week. I I do not preach politics. In fact, those of you who have been here for nine years know that you probably count on one hand how many times I've talked about politics. I don't preach politics. It doesn't help me, and it doesn't help you. I don't talk much about uh, about the, the, the political situation in Indiana, but right now you know that we have a major issue in our state. The entire country is looking at Indiana about the way that we're passing a bill on whether or not there is religious freedom in serving people who disagree with us. I've been praying about this all week. You know my heart's beating fast right now. But I gotta tell you this. I don't don't know what the law is and I don't know what the law should be, but I know what Jesus would say. I know what Jesus would say when asked, should we serve people we disagree with? Should we serve people that don't look, act, and feel the way we look, act, and feel, Jesus would say, hang on. That's that's what I ask you to do. In fact, I told you at one point that serving and loving people who look, act, and feel the way you look, act, and feel isn't what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is looking for the very people who don't look, act, and feel and agree with what you do in your life. That's the very people I want you to serve. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. No matter what the law says, no matter what bill is passed, you serve especially The people that don't see things the way you see things. If you're a Christ follower, I'm going to ask you to do this because every time a follower of Jesus chooses to withhold their service and their love because of something they disagree with, it sets back our movement centuries. And it is not going to happen on my watch, not with the people I love in this place. The truth is, we spend a lot of time with the world's economy when it comes to love. But God has a totally different reversed economy when it comes to love. If you don't hear anything else I say today, you've got to get this, because this is this is the Bible in a nutshell. If you've never read it, or if you wonder if if you've read it before and you haven't understood it, this is the Bible in the nutshell. Basically the Bible is saying your instinct and the world's instinct is to feel this way. But God says if you would line up with his way, if you would line up with his way, not not these strict rules, but if you would Follow the way that God created the world and the way that God intended for you to live your life. You will be led to the peace and hope and joy that is in the deepest part of who you are, what you desire. See, my habit with my life, the habit that I've developed, just like I've developed this awful habit of having dinner and getting, getting full and getting content and then stopping, and then I put the kids to bed and at 8.30 I have this real bad habit of going to turn the lights off and walking by the pantry about 8.30 at night. It's a habit. And then whatever is the highest calorie level, I like to consume between 8.30 and 10 o'clock and then lay on my big fat behind until it digests. That's what I like to do. It's a habit that I've created in my life. And I have learned that I have to make some changes. I have to ask my wife to go turn off the lights. (laughs) Or I have to have her padlock the pantry. (laughs) Or I have to find a way of not giving in to those urges that I have in my life. I have a, p- a habit when it comes to love and people and relationships in my life. Maybe you have this habit, too. I have a habit, and my habit is to get whatever I can from those around me. It's to get up in the morning and go, if I lay here long enough, Risha, I remember feeling this way all the time, and she's back there so she can't hear me, but she knows this. When the kids were young enough and we were laying in the crib and we were crying at 2 o'clock in the morning and somebody had to get up, I remember thinking, If I keep my eyes closed and continue to breathe heavy like I'm still asleep, right? I'm just being honest. The rest of you all felt it, if you've been a parent. I have a bad habit of going, well, if somebody else will do this for me, I won't have to do it. This is my habit. This is human life. God says that, yeah, I know that's your habit. I know that's the way you live life. That's the passive way of living life. And some of you have lived life like this your whole life, just passively. God says, if you would change the way you think, if you would change the way you think, and listen, and I tried this, and I still continue to try this, if, if I can walk by the dirty dishes in our house and pretend not to see them, because that's my habit, pretend that I've got something busy to do, it will start my day in one direction. But if I walk by those same dishes and I do them, even if I feel guilty and I'm just mad about it, you know, you do that sometimes, oh, these dirty dishes and they've been sitting in. When I'm done, my relationship changed you know this my wife walked in the room and thought huh john didn't do what his habit is to do he didn't just walk by and expect that i would do them and it changes our relationship, God says, this is reversed economy. This is what the Bible is about. It's about saying, I know you feel this way. That is a passive life. Those of you who fish, I love to fish, and it's getting warm enough for me to start fishing again. I absolutely love to fish, and you know what happens in your boat if you've got a, a, a motor. They used to have these things that were long and they were wooden, and you actually had to do this with them, and you could like move your boat with them. I think they called them oars, and um, I can't imagine doing that. But I, now I've got a motor, and if if the motor on my boat. If I get out in the middle and the, the battery dies on the trolling motor, I run out of gas in the outboard, and the wind's blowing, I, who knows where my boat's going to go? And, and the truth is, it's going to go wherever where the wind's blowing. And this is how I get, when I'm in my boat, this is how I get into a cove I shouldn't be in. This is how I get up against a bank, up against the rocks, in a place in my, in my day of fishing that I never intended to be. And guess what? In your marriage, in your friendships, in your relationship with your daughter and your son, if you just drift... If you don't pick a point on the horizon and do the dishes and wake up with the baby and choose to give of yourself, you will drift and your relationship will end up in places you would never have imagined. Some of you are already there. And i got to tell you, if you've been drifting and you've ended up in a bad place, guess what your job is right here, right now? It's to start the motor up and pick a point find something to do, find somebody to serve, find somebody to love in your life. My habit is to protect myself from those around me. It is. It's to go, hey, that person could hurt me. That person is smarter than me, and they can make me look stupid. Hey, that person has more money than me, and that can make me feel bad about myself. Hey, that person, my wife, if she sounds smarter than me at a party, I'll look like I married out of my league. I've already given up on that. I married out of my league so much it doesn't even matter. So what I have to do is if she says something and she looks funnier than me, I have to find a way to make fun of her so that she looks dumb. That's my habit. God says, what if you visibly looked at that situation and you poured yourself out? Now this, this is what it means to be a Jesus follower. It's not about church. Did you know being a Jesus follower, being a Christian is really not, was never about going to church? It, that's supposed to be a part, it's supposed to be a, a, a byproduct of what it means to live like Jesus, but the truth is, to live like Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, is about the way you love people, and it's about sitting at some point and going, you know what, I could get hurt in this situation. I know, if I give them to that again, if I give myself, if I give my money, if I give my time, if I give my energy to that again, I'm going to get ripped off. Jesus' reverse economy, God's reverse economy is to go, yeah. Welcome to love. And by the way, wait till you get peace and hope and joy that comes with loving like that. It's an addiction. It's what it is. It, part of the problem is in my life, I have a habit of wanting to be right. You have this problem? I want to be right so bad, even—you <laughs> guys aren't going to admit this, but I'm going to admit it just to get the ball rolling— I have had arguments with my wife before where I realized in the middle of the argument in my mind somewhere, uh-oh, she's right. But I didn't go, oh boy, honey, you're right, I just realized that. You know what I start doing? I start grasping for anything I possibly can. I start looking for times in the past when she was wrong and I was right. I start drudging those back up to like the man behind the curtain, don't look at this, you know, and just and I, I st- I'm just an idiot when it comes to this. I gotta be right. I'm learning in my life that being right is exhausting. Those of you who are dealing as Christians right now, if you're a Christian and you're going on Facebook or you're seeing the news and there is this pain in your heart when you hear what other Christians are saying about this bill and about people they disagree with and you go, you know what? I don't know how to feel. I don't know what's right or wrong, but I know something inside of me is broken about that and I don't want to be associated with people who are, who are not loving each other and, and that doesn't feel... You know what God says about it? He says, you know what? Your job was never to be right in the first place. Did you know that? Your job was never to be right in the first place. You let God be right, and you take care of the loving people. Being right is God's job. Being love is your job. So I brought with me today a few pillows. This is some of the pillows from my bed. This is some of the 20,464 pillows that Risha puts on my bed every morning. I don't know why. I need one. And none of them look like this. The one I have is little and soft. But I took these off the bed today, and the alarm sounded, and the security showed up, and I told Risha I would bring them back, okay? So she's very dedicated to these pillows, but I brought them for a good reason today, because I want to talk about your relationships. I want to talk about the way that we do relationships. Some of you have heard codependency. Have you ever heard the word codependency? Raise your hand if you heard the word codependency. You've ever heard the word codependency? Most of us have if you're a grown adult. In fact, somebody's probably told you you were codependent, but the truth is we all mean something different by that. Here's what I want to say codependency is today, and here's what I think God wants out of our relationships. If if i 'm in a relationship with Risha, my wife, which I am by the way, um, if i 'm in a relationship with Risha and, and that 's me right there, that blue pillow is me, and I meet Risha, which i 'll never forget was wonderful and, and she 's over there when we met, we started something new, and it was a relationship i 'm going to represent it here with this brown and white pillow right in the middle it 's something new it 's something different between the two of us. We started something new and we have arrows that go into this and when i give when i when i want to give to this relationship by the way this thing is growing and it's changing and it's evolving and it's gone backwards at times and it's gotten better at times and I am constantly giving to this relationship. And Risha is over here, and she's constantly giving to this relationship. And we get to enjoy this new thing that we've been a part of creating. We ask God in our lives to lead this new thing. But here's what codependency is, and here's when your relationships get really, really unhealthy, whether it's with your kids or with your husband or, or, with, or with your friends. This is where my relationships have broken down, too, where I have stood on my pillow and started a relationship with someone else and said, you know what, I'm not just going to create something new, I'm coming to your pillow. I'm going to change you. I want to do something that makes me right and you wrong so that you change. Because if I can get you to change and I can stand on your pillow, then you will be the person I want you to be and our life will be right. Where is your relationship? Which pillow does it live on? In Paragon? Somebody's going to want to meet me at the truck after I say this. I'm ready. (laughs) By that, I mean I'm ready to run. (laughs) In Paragon, here's the way it works a lot of times. The relationship lives with the wife or with the girl. She cares more. She wants to see it grow. And the husband just wants to keep things out of trouble. And there's no dedication to the middle. So there's this unhealthy living. Now, maybe with your kids, you're going, to John, how do I, are you saying I shouldn't be in their life? No, what I'm saying is you should help them create a relationship between you and them. Some of you will never have an adult friendship with your kids. Because at some point, they're going to realize, I'm kicking dad off of my pillow. I'm getting mom out of my pillow because this is my pillow and I need my own pillow. And instead of helping create a new pillow, that then you can grow and change. And as they get older, you become friends and you have a relationship between you. It changes everything when you realize what God has called you to in relationships. And the way to have a healthy relationship is to get off their pillow. Your job with your kids, your job with your husband, with your wife, is not to change them. It is simply to love them and give to the middle pillow. But we have a whole other paradigm in our culture. Stuff like this, Jerry Maguire. You know, we love it when Jerry, well, some of us love it when Jerry Maguire, in, in Jerry Maguire, he says, you complete me. But you know what that is? That is Codependency. <laughs> That is codependency. If you are living in a relationship where the other person completes you, you are in an unhealthy, codependent relationship where you need somebody to be on your pillow. It's unhealthy. Beatles said all you need is love, but it's just not true. There has to be more. There has to be selfless service. A healthy relationship exists like this. And if you didn't get the pillows, I put it on the screen. Next slide there, Tanya. There's you, and there's me, and there's something between us. This is a healthy relationship the way God intended. So, Romans chapter 12 says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm going to put these pillows up before Rishi feels it. Yeah, I know. Don't tell her I stood on them in my shoes. As as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, we have this problem when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to the Bible. Especially Christians, they have this problem where they start to Disneyify Jesus. They start to think about the Bible as they would a Disney story. And part of that has to do with the old flannel graph boards we grew up with in in Sunday school. They're not real, they're cartoon, and we start to make Jesus a cartoon. And we start to say things like this, boy, the, the world these days... The world these days, boy, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Things are just getting worse than they've ever been. And boy, if Jesus would be here now, what would he see? And let me tell you, when Jesus was here on this earth 2,000 years ago, it was a hot mess. Politically, it was a mess. And if Jesus came to the earth within his heart, what he thought was to be right, our whole Bible would be full of Jesus going around pointing at people, going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. But you know what he did? He went into people's lives and he just desperately gave himself to them. What would it look like for you? I prayed for you on the way here today that somebody's face would show up. A friend who long ago hurt you, who you haven't talked to since. A brother, a sister, a mom or dad who you're... There's brokenness between you. That it would show up and that you'd have an argument with me in your mind right now. Yeah, but John, you don't know. And I want to tell you what God has for you right now. You don't know. The peace, the hope, and the joy that comes with being the one to love first. No matter who did the wrong, no matter who messed up, to create a pillow between you and to nurture it, to do better with it, now, in, in my estimation, there are people that we choose to do life with. There are people we choose to create pillows between us, friends, people that we run into our life, and we can let those pillows go or we cannot. But when God has put blood between you, I'd like to ask those of you who are Jesus followers, if you're, you're off the hook for a minute if you're not a Jesus follower, if you're just trying to decide what's right here, and you're not a Christian this morning, you're off the hook. Just, I want to just talk to Christians for this morning. If you've got blood, sons, daughters, daughters, aunts, cousins that you don't talk to because of something stupid or maybe because of something really rough. I want you to know that what God has done is not just given you the opportunity to put a pillow between them. He has put the pillow there himself and he's asking you today to get it right. So today I'm going to ask you a, a few things as we in this service and kind of put some things in your head first is this i want to remind you that being right is exhausting i've just been watching this week and watching facebook and watching um, news and seeing what some of my christian friends and, and some non-christian people are saying about this bill in indiana and about how we react to these things i'm just like man it just wears me i just i just want to nap because i really don't know how to feel in some of these cases and i don't know what to do and i'm going well is he right or is he right oh my goodness what am i going to do and i just just want to stop and i want you to stop today to remember that it's not your job to be right now i'm not saying that we should never have a voice and that we should never stand up but what i'm saying is that it's not your job to be right it's your job to find places to love people especially the people who are most different than you I, I want to remind you today that complacency in your relationships isn't okay with god i grew up in a church when in the in christian church just kind of like this one, only it was more conservative. And when, when I grew up, the, the rule was this. God hates divorce, and divorce is never okay, ever, 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 unless there is like some kind of uh, infidelity in death. <laughs> and death. That, that, and I believe that God is pained by divorce. But our church made such an emphasis about divorce and about never having divorce, so what we did was, people just didn't get divorced, they just lived in hell. They just had two, two people living in the same house, living in hell, and somehow they felt like as long as they didn't sign a paper that said they were no longer married, that they were better off with God than if they just lived in hell and lived a complacent marriage with no effort to fix it. You need to know today, if you're a Jesus follower, that it's just as broken and just as painful to God for you to have given up on your relationship than divorce itself. You need to know that when God put blood in your womb, put a baby in your womb, put a child in your house, that he intended for there to be a pillow between you that grows and gets better, and to never quit, to never write them off, to never stop trying, to never stop praying. You know, some people ask Jesus once, hey, how many many times should I forgive people? how many times should I I just keep giving? How many times should I give him another chance? And Jesus said, let me tell you what God does for you. And he told a story about a son who was like the worst thing you can imagine. And Jesus said, this is not a real story. So then he just started adding awful things this son said to his dad. And this son did to his dad. In fact, he told his dad, hey dad, I I want all the money, all the inheritance that you're supposed to give me. I want it right now. I want to go out and do whatever I want to do. And his dad said, okay. And it broke his heart. And the people around Jesus said, what an idiot son. And, God, and Jesus said, yeah, you know who God is in the story? He's the dad and you're the son. And they go, oh. And Jesus says, and guess, guess where God finds himself in this story? God stands at the end of the driveway constantly and waits for the son to come home. Wait, wait a minute, though, but didn't, didn't the son say he didn't love his dad anymore? Yeah, yeah, but God never lo- quit loving him. Yeah, didn't the son say he wished his dad was dead and so he took his money? Yeah, that's what he said, but his dad didn't care. His dad stood out on the road and waited. Now, some of the people that were following Jesus that day walked away. said, I can't do that. I'm not going to live like that. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, all right, then you know what? You come, you just love people however you want. Just, just as long as you stay here. You no, know, Jesus said, I'm sorry, man. I wish you would stay with us. But this is who we are as a people. And I'm going to tell you this morning, this is what God intends for you. Maybe you need to hear this morning to stay on your pillow. What I mean by that is stop trying to change them and just do what God called you to do.